<laughs> hey everyone, it us and we're back with a new episode of my Best Vintage Life podcast. Welcome. In case you didn't know, I'm your host, Bridget Murawski, and my co-host is... Hi guys. You have to say your name. Say my name, say my name. No, say no. your name. It's Art. Hello. This is Art Bazarkanian, my co-host. I'm the creative director of Baz Brothers Unlimited, and he is the president and CEO. Man, official. I'm back. I was reaching for my notebook. As always, we do our opening deets on the podcast. If you'd like to reach us by email, it's admin, A-D-M-I-N, at mybestvintagelifepodcast.com. Admin at mybestvintagelifepodcast.com. Social media, Instagram, or Pinterest. Um, it's at mybestvintagelifepodcast. What are you doing? I need you to start getting video of these episodes. And we also have a website for the podcast, which is www.mybestvintagelifepodcast.com. Are you all right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and if you want to reach out to us via Google Voice, feel free to do so. It's 559-365-6743. That's 559-365-6743. And if you would like to find a way to support the podcast that takes relatively no time and is completely free, you can rate or review the podcast at Apple Podcasts or at Podchaser, which is available to anyone on any platform. And I have an obsession at the moment. Art, do you have an obsession at the moment? Haribo candy. I think it's Haribo. It's Haribo. Either way. Haribo. It's, so it's so good. I love that stuff. I mean, my favorite one, I don't even know. I love the gummy cola. I like the cherries. I like the watermelon. I like the star mix. <sighs> They're so good. You know what the best place to get those is? I do. Dollar Tree. Although we do not support buying other things at Dollar Tree. Um, I went to the fancy Dollar Tree by my new house. I haven't been in a Dollar Tree since probably like three or four years. And I mean, I've been missing out on the candy. That's for sure. I just, I don't know if it's, maybe it's expired and that's why it's so cheap. It's not expired. It's just the yeah. fact that sometimes, you I, mean, know. I think I used to pay like $3 a bag for Haribo. Yep. Dollar. Amazing. Um, my shout out is also food related. I've been trying to eat a French diet. I know I have French listeners, so hopefully they don't find this offensive or maybe they can tell me if I'm correct or not. But I really like the French diet because they don't limit themselves and they eat a lot of whole natural foods. So they're not eating a lot of like BS filler stuff or, you know, I mean, they eat whole milk yogurt, they eat butter, they eat bread, they don't deprive themselves. And honestly, I've been doing that and I have lost a little bit weight and or maintain my same weight and I feel a lot better. So I think I've noticed that you're not as cranky between yeah. meals because usually you get kind of angry, a little hangry. And so it's working. It's doing something. Something. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, they also walk in France. There's, you know. Whether you're in a village or you're in a big city, you're walking a lot. And um, I really like, you know, the aspect of their culture where they, you know, the mealtimes, they're for friends, they're for families, they're for lovers, boyfriends, girlfriends, significant others, whoever, you know, there's no, not a lot of phones out. It's more 
face-to-face dining and something that has really, I mean, prior to the pandemic, at least going out to dinner, oh my God, just to watch people like on a date and they're both on their phones, it's just horrifying to me. So true. Yeah. So French diet is my obsession. Haribo gummies is Art's obsession. Now we have some shout outs and burning questions from our new patrons. Our first new patron is a client of ours, but she said she wishes to remain anonymous. She's just looking to provide support to the podcast. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And uh, her question, her burning question for Art is, what is your spirit animal? Well, I would say, I'm actually, my name isn't even a name. My mom had a dream when she was pregnant of an eagle. So my name is Eagle. And in Armenian, Ardziv, that's what Eagle is. So it's not even a name. And I've never met anybody with my name. Just so you know, Art's name is actually Artziv, A-R-T-Z-I-V. It's not just Art, and his name means Eagle. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't think you should have any other answer other than that. I mean, how many people are named after an animal? Wolf. <laughs> Wolf Blitzer. Yeah, I guess. That's about <laughs> it. Um, okay, next is uh, Chris. Chris is a nice gentleman from the Atlanta area. Oh, yeah. We talked to him the other day. Yes. He is uh, doing our mentor program. Very happy fellow. Very nice and friendly. Uh, his Instagram is at so underscore fly underscore vintage underscore clothing underscore. And then he also has another one, which I believe is so underscore fly underscore vintage. So he has two. One is more heavy on the clothes. The other one is an assortment of housewares and clothing. And um, he's in a mall right now, an antique mall. He has a spot there. Uh, really cool guy. And his burning question for art. Give me one moment. He sent it to me. Okay. He said he would love to hear some advice on sourcing military and knowing what to look for. I know he has talked about it some already. It seems a lot of military surplus stores now focus a lot on new inventory. Do you need me to repeat that? or <laughs> Nope. Um, good question, Chris. Uh, one of the main reasons the surplus stores are only doing the Rothko and the new stuff is they just can't find it. Uh, the government stopped selling things in auction. Um, they hired a new company to liquidate all their DRMO stuff. And what's happening is that company's doing a poor job of getting it out to the actual surplus stores. What's happening is they're hoarding it themselves and uh, flipping it to their own clients as opposed to letting it just go into auction and best bid wins. So now the best place to find vintage is stores that are actually going out of business, uh, things that have been shut down for a while and the people, the property values have gone up. So now the relatives are looking to cash in on the real estate boom. Um, Military shows are a good place to find that kind of stuff. There's a couple now they're doing virtual. The A-N-A-N-M-E show is an online show. It used to be in Vegas twice a year. I used to go quite a bit. Uh, that's still happening, but it's virtual. So if you just Google that, you'll find it. A-N-M-E, military show. Um, and the things you want to look for, the best, there's so much military reference material out there. Uh, 
So I suggest grabbing it and trying to figure out what it is that you enjoy looking. Are you looking for the really expensive stuff or are you looking for obscure things? Or are you looking for just to turn and burn similar to the, like the overalls and the other workwear that you do? So kind of be a little bit more like specific of what you're looking for and you'll have a better chance of finding those things. Okay. Thank you. And thank you to the anonymous donor and to Chris for your support. We really appreciate it. And if you would like to become a patron of the show, you can do so at patron.podbean.com slash my best vintage life podcast. And if that's too much for you to type in, just Google patron or patron Podbean in the name of the podcast and it'll come up. We have three tiers. I did a little switcheroo on one of the tiers. Um, $2 will always be a general support tier. That's just you knowing you're helping the podcast. It's a small way to help, but anything helps. And we appreciate it no matter what the amount. $5, uh, you will get a shout out, whether that be personal and or a business shout out, depending on what you prefer. You'll get to ask a burning question um, for art, like I just did with uh, those two. Whether it be a funny one or a serious one, it doesn't matter. You can ask whatever you want. And then um, I was doing a close friends group on Instagram. However, I do think that the algorithm was preventing a lot of you from seeing it. And I don't like that. I feel like if you're paying for extra content, you shouldn't be at the mercy of Instagram. Um, and God forbid if Instagram shut down tomorrow, then that would be completely gone. Something to always keep in mind about any social media platform. Um, so what I'm going to do is for the $5 tier and for the $20 tier, because the $20 tier gets all the benefits of the $5 tier as well. Um, I'm going to do bi-weekly minisodes uh, through Podbean. So you could listen through the Podbean website or the Podbean app. So you'll get two extra episodes a month. And those will be for anyone um, subscribing at the $5 and $20 levels. That's really nice. Yeah. So it's not going to be anything <coughs> like super crazy. They're going to be minisodes. I'm not going to. It's going to be a surprise. Like the topics are, will be a surprise. Um, I think some, it's nice to have a surprise every now and then. Um, and then maybe like after they go live, I'll share what the topics were in case you want to join as a patron. So just know that that is the new $5 feature instead of the close friends group on Instagram. I'm going to be doing two free mini sods a month through Podbean. And if you're already subscribing, you'll get to see the, or rather hear the, um, first mini sod next week. So they will be in between our big episodes. And then $20 is our mentor program. He's just flagging his hand at me. I'm going as fast as I can. $20 is our mentor program. Um, you get all the benefits of the $5 level, like I said, and you also get one half-hour call with me once a month. This is especially good for vintage business owners. And right now I have three spots left, five spots total. Um, two are taken, so I have three spots left if you'd like to jump on board with that. Any of these tiers, you can cancel at any time. So it's just like any other subscription. If you know your time's coming up and you can't afford it, don't want to support anymore, just you know, schedule a reminder for yourself or figure out a way to remember to do that. So cancel at any time, very low risk. And I think very rewarding. Low risk, high reward. Oh, yeah, that's just like thrifting. Okay, yes. Let's jump into it. So this is an art-heavy episode, but a lot of you wanted to know... Where do we find all this stuff? Or as someone graciously said, where the do you find all this stuff? And the, the blank is a curse word. I'm trying not to curse so much on here. That's really nice. It's refreshing. 
So I guess let's talk a little bit. I didn't outline this episode for us really because I, I... Well, when you told me about this topic, I kind of broke it down in my head too. Like in cha- chapters of your life, basically. Well, I think it's not, not so much chapters of life. It's chapters of the stages of your business and the Correct. growth of your company or, you know, you couldn't even call it a company. It was like your hustle it starts as a hustle. Then it's like, eh, it could be a little bit more. And then it's like, okay, I guess it is a business. And then a business evolves into a company. So it's not anything, you know, I never had a, a business plan. I just wanted to somehow just survive and figure out what the next chapter of my life was going to be. So when I first started this, I was in chiropractic school. And where I found stuff was at yard sales and thrift stores. And what I would do is find thrift stores that were close to each other. And back then we used a map and we used something called a Thomas Guide and certain cities had them and I would look at them and I would try to find where they were and I would use the yellow pages and figure out where things were and try to hit five or six at a time in a day. And I would have different routes that coincided with uh, flea markets. So I would hit a flea market early in the morning and then when the thrift stores would open up, I would hit them. And it just became a habit. I would have routes, you know, uh, flea market, early Monday morning, hit the thrift stores in a certain city. Then on Wednesdays, another flea market. So I was doing it probably five, six days a week, just collecting. So thrift stores and fleas were the biggest places. Yard sales, I didn't do very well at yard sales. I just, something about it just bugged me. Where were you geographically at this time? I was down in the Pasadena area and for about six months to a year of it. And then I moved up to Fresno. Then once I was in Fresno, then I got really heavy into thrifting. And Fresno was awesome. Uh, All the way down to Visalia, all the way up to Modesto. Like I had routes. And then whenever I'd go down to LA, I would, you know, veer off a little bit and hit, hit other thrift stores along the way. And then when I'd go visit my parents in Vegas, I'd hit all the ones on the way to Vegas and in Vegas. There were some really great stores there. And then as we, then we started going on buying trips because my brother was living in different cities like Philadelphia. So he started to meet different people. And then what happens is when you start going other places and in general and finding people, they start becoming a resource for sourcing. And that's one of like the highlights of this business has been like our early contacts in the business are still contacts to this day. And then they've referred us to other people and they've remained contacts. So the original networking, I guess. So most of our stuff came in the early days just from finding it ourselves. And then it's evolved to actual bigger wholesalers. Because at that time, we weren't really wholesalers per se. So we were just selling, buying and selling, buying and selling. Uh, Then we met, like, where can we get more of this stuff in bulk what doesn't take time so we found rag houses that were in LA Fresno Texas uh, even in the Midwest there was a great one in St. Louis so we started buying and at a point you get to where now you can start negotiating because you actually have some money to buy things with when we first started we barely had two or three hundred bucks each to start this so we were very careful with what we bought and we couldn't buy too much. So once you get to a point where you're comfortable 
and you kind of have an idea of how much you want to spend per month, then it gives you the power to go and negotiate with a company or a rag house or a, a wholesaler. Like instead of buying five pieces, you can say, you know what, how much I need 501 blue oh, grades, one and two, hundred pieces, and then they'll tell you a price and then you could buy it. So it saves a lot of time that way. And then when we got even to the next level of calling ourselves a company, uh, people started reaching out to us. Hey, we have, I have a friend, his family owned this business. They passed and they want to sell it. And so we'd take a flight out or drive and we would do take alls. So this warehouse is about 120,000 square feet and it is completely packed. And there's still some stuff here that we've, 10, 15 years ago because things are cyclical. And sometimes my brother buys 10,000 of one item. Someone has a... <coughs> someone has a... Excuse problem. me? Problem. Someone has a problem. No. Yeah, well, yeah, he does. A buying problem. But at the same time, when you buy right, you know, you don't have to sell too many to get your money back. But you do pay money to store it. And that's the lesson he hasn't learned yet. Um, so we have stuff still that we've had for probably, like I said, 15, 20 years, but I don't worry about it because it's just gotten more vintage, mm -hmm. you know? So would you say, um, is there one specific buy you can think of that makes up a, like, is there one buy that takes up the most room in the warehouse? Like what buy do you still have the most stuff left from? You know what? I'm glad you brought a question like that. I'm going to say the the best buy or the buy that got us going was the St. Louis buy. A friend of ours uh, found, a, found a warehouse that was selling bales of clothes. And supposedly they had about 800 to 900,000 pounds of clothes. The place had shut down. They had been paid... There was water damage. They had been paid their insurance settlement, and they had just left it at the storage unit. And this was a six-story storage unit, 100,000 square feet of floor. So it was massive in, in the middle of St. Louis. So we, were, we went there almost four times. We ended up buying the entire deal, and we only were able to truck back probably 40% of it. And that really got us going in terms of in the business with a tons of inventory. And that kind of set us up for what our next chapters in our business was going to be. But, and not much of that is here. There's probably 20 bales of it still left. So about 20,000 pounds. Okay. But, what but I, I know what your question is. Just be patient. <laughs> uh, so the thing that's here the most of, I would say it's a tie between the military we bought two years ago from the shop, from the company that closed down in Philadelphia and a store that closed in Chicago about 20 something years ago. But we bought that 12 or 13 years ago. And we've been, it seems like the never ending gift. We've been selling this denim, like all those, uh, Jordash, Lee, all those nineties brands. Seems like we've been selling thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And the, it never ends. Did the landlubber come from that too? Yes. Yeah, yeah the landlubber, sea gear, the the used, uh, all the Jordan, all the Nike, all the uh, Pakistani stuff, the T-shirts, the the Michael Jackson shirts, the 
jackets, all that. I call it thriller, you know, the thriller stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's endless. It's probably like we still have probably 40 or 50 triwalls of it left still. And it's just, you keep selling it and selling it. It just never goes away. Is that like all the kind of like random women's tops and stuff that yes. I like? That's from there too? Exactly. Yeah. And same with the Bellini. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was an unbelievable deal. I mean, imagine an entire truckload, 53-foot truckload, and then another half for ten grand. So it's like you kind of like so when those deals happen, you have to jump on them. Do you feel comfortable talking about financials at all? Like, I just did. I know, but um, what – okay, here's a question for you if you're if you'll – comfortable answering it what is the most you've ever spent on a buy two hundred and fifty thousand two hundred and fifty thousand dollars yep can you say what it was for yeah mailbags oh god (laughs) (laughs) that nightmare huh yeah well it wasn't a nightmare it's been a blessing yeah it was risky it was unprecedented and my brother did it without my permission but yeah, I was pissed, but at the same time, I understood his vision, so and well, I trusted okay. him. Okay, why did he have to? Why did he have to spend two hundred and fifty thousand? Like because why? you, there are certain things in order to command a high price and command a price that you, you need to control the market. So you can't go someplace and buy half of something, and that's an important lesson. If you see something and you want to dominate the arena and you have an idea of what to do with it, buy it all, and then you dictate, and you become the outlet for it and you get to control the market value but did he have the option to not buy it all yes would the price per piece have gone up yes how much like significant okay that put you this way that had paid itself off a while ago Uh and we still have 80 percent of it so think about the margins he's working on that's what's important i know but still like what i know it's it's what, the details you've told me about that, like, are just insane. Yeah. So, again, you have to understand what your market is. You have to understand what you're what you're going to sell something for. Now, those bags could, if in the wrong hands, could be a $10, $15 item because somebody would get panicked and nervous and feel the need to try to get all their money back. But he had a plan, and his plan was annoying to me in the beginning, but it took a while to go with it. But now... You know, I get it. I understand why he did it because there was going to, there were people, other people wanted this stuff. It was such a hot commodity. Everybody was, when the whole workwear thing was big, everybody wanted canvas. Everybody wanted canvas bags, uh, drop cloths. You know, that was the thing we gave you guys a present for your studio. Remember at Urban, that big painting that was done on a, a mail bag that we had opened up. It was canvas. And you guys hung it up at the... The warehouse? Yeah. Honestly, no. I mean, I wasn't there every day. Yeah. In Port Richmond? Port Richmond, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, we sent a I present. I mean, yeah, there's just so much crap on the walls. Yeah. It was huge. It was like a huge mural. Maybe somebody pocketed it. Oh, probably. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so that would be the, the largest. Okay. And we've had, you know, we've had about, I think, three or four that were close to that. Yeah. Um, what buy of all the buys, which one screwed you over the most? Oh, well, you know, I don't know. I don't, we, 
we're like the epitome of, you know what, just make it happen, make it work. We don't sit and sulk. We just move on. So I really don't know. I, that's something I have to really think about what left a bitter taste or what if, um, I mean, there've been some small buys that were a real pain in the butt, weren't worth it. And the person lied, but I've never worked with that person again. So as soon as you said it, that popped, but a big buy, no. Okay, so we've talked about big buys, but where are the smaller sources that you get stuff from? Perfect. Today, I had a friend, well, uh, a picker to say, show up. He calls, makes an appointment probably once a month. He comes from Mexico. He hits all the flea markets. He also sells at the flea markets. And I've given him a list over the years, and I amend it, change it, depending on what we need. And today he showed up, and I spent about an hour, hour and a half going through what he brought me. Oh, I feel so bad for this guy. No, he's a hard worker and he's great. And that's the life he chose. I know, but his dad just sits there and watches him and looks, uh, his dad is so grumpy. That's the change of seasons. He's doing his duty as a son. I mean, I guess, but like, I don't know. Well, I've known his father and he's a little, since he was a little boy, about seven, eight years old. So his father was a hard worker. Unfortunately, he had to have a hip replacement. So that's why he has to sit. I know, but it's just, I've never seen him smile. He just seems miserable. Really? Now you're a psychologist? No. Jesus. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's no. just, it's it, hot. It's hot It's a blessing today. to be able to work, and it's well, a blessing you, to be working with your son. Okay. You know? Okay. Did you, and, buy, what, don't they ahead. live out of their van, though? For four or five days, and they get a hotel room. Okay. Well, it looks packed full of stuff to me when it's here, so I'm wondering where they sleep. Oh, now they have a... A friend allows them to stay at their RV. He has an RV on the okay. property, so they stay out there. Yeah. Well, that's at least something. Yeah, in Fig Garden. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Living your best life. <laughs> so did you find anything good from him today? I did. I did. He brought quite a bit, I mean, of uh, beautiful Tommy Hilfiger jackets, which I really like. The Like the windbreaker type, the big puffy ones. A oh. uh, few Stussy shirts. Any denim? Oh, yeah, tons of denim. Probably bought uh, between the 505s, 550s, and 501s, probably uh, 200 pieces. So yeah, We do have another local picker that comes about once a week. He doesn't bring the volume that this guy that came today brings, but he brings some. Yeah, he brings random things yeah. since he's, he's, he sells at flea markets. So while he's at flea markets. <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> he brought me that bin for my firewood. That's right. Remember? Yep. Um. So he's already at the flea. That's the thing. You know, when we used to do flea markets in the beginning, you know, some, don't be in a hurry to set up right away. Especially if you see somebody new at the flea, you know, give it about 15, 20 minutes, walk around. Sometimes you make more buying than you do selling. And if you see that it's super slow, do the same thing. Ask uh, your friend, spouse, partner, whoever, just, hey, can you watch my booth and go around and see if, you know, you can make some deals. Always go with with money in your pocket to these things. Don't go there expecting to make money and you'll get money later, but take it with you so you can buy just in case it's not a good selling day. You got to make the best of your time so you can always buy to make money as well. Sorry, I got an email that says crispy fish without the fryer from Bon Appetit. And I was like, "Mm, you're killing me. That sounds good. Um, Focus lady. I am focused. This is, this is the spotlights on you. 
Okay, so we have some local people. We have a guy that comes from Mexico. You have these big buys. Now in L.A., my brother has about seven or eight people that do that. Right. So he has people coming in. He's a lot more foot traffic coming in and local pickers from L.A., which makes more sense um, just because of the geographics and the Mm -hmm. population and the, you know, I mean, it's just more of a vintage town. But tell me about, like, the in-between sources not these big big buys and not these little like the like your regular phillips in a sense like phillips not phillips oh fill ups (laughs) phillips convenient so okay perfect example of that would be we have a a friend who picks for us in texas and when he sends a shipment every six weeks it's anywhere from 36 to 48 large, large, large boxes. So about five or six pallets. And that, those are my, those are some of my favorite. Those are, that's my absolute favorite yeah. because it's, it's the you best got, of the best. Got good taste. Great t shirts. The best t shirts come from there. The best jackets. Denim, not so much because he also uses them for his store. Um, I think you should send me down there. They would steal you down there. <laughs> they would. I wouldn't send anybody near the border right now. Oh, it's on the border. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All, all the rag so houses much, are there. So no much way. Sex trafficking going on. It's so sad. Um. Okay. Well. Okay. What was I going to ask? Wait. There was one more thing. So we in between. Little in between. So I know recently you kind of did like a test batch. Do you want to kind of describe that process? Test batch of what? I don't know. You got a test batch of something. Sweatshirts? Okay. Uh, like sometimes explain that process, I yeah. guess. So sometimes, uh, in this case that she's talking about, somebody I buy denim on a re- been buying denim from a regular basis. We usually do about anywhere from ten to 20,000 pieces a year with him. He, uh, he gets offered things, and then he'll say, Hey, Art, are you interested in this? And I'll be like, Well, what is it? He's like, Sweatshirts. Okay. Blank sweatshirts. I'm like, well, how much is it? And in this case, it's a thousand pound bale and it's by the pound. And I said, yeah, let's try two. So he sends them. I go through it and, you know, you'll find a few gems, but it's great, great basic sweatshirts that we go through so many of plain raglan sweatshirts, the vintage sweatshirts, and then just the other ones that we use for scrap because, you know, it's cheap way to get material that we do all our cut and sew stuff with as opposed to knitting and everything. Um, and then other times it'll be, he'll offer me things that I don't need or don't want, but you try it. You have to try it if it's affordable. And then like right now, I really love the mix of those sweatshirts. And so I order, I pre-ordered another two big bales um, cause I'm happy with them. And then he sent me another mix what they call dirty sweatshirts, which were, I mean, they were dirty, but there were some real gems in there. And I'm just, and the price they're asking is a little high, so I probably won't order those anymore because after I went through it, realized, okay, I could sell these for this price, I could sell this, it just wasn't worth it. You know, I'd have to, I almost have to die 70% of them, and that just doesn't leave you much room. You know, people don't want to pay crazy prices for sweatshirts. Good. Um, 
Are there any sources that you feel like, well, I guess let me talk just about geography really quick. You know, you've ordered from just about every continent, huh? Or received stuff from every continent. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, crazy. All over the world. So we're not just limited to sourcing um, continentally. But just, I haven't done it blind. Right. You know what I mean? That's something I don't recommend anybody to do. Uh, Foster a relationship first. And then what happens is like some of the contacts we've had have gone to other continents while they're there and have said, hey, by the way, I'm here. They have this. So technically, am I buying from that company I've never met or am I trusting my friend who I've bought stuff from? So Mm -hmm. just that's what makes it a little bit more easy to swallow. Yeah, and I mean, some people do like the, the virtual shopping or the FaceTime. Or, I don't do that. I know we don't, but I mean, we, we wanted to for a long time and our internet was awful and we couldn't. Well, now we can. I know, I know. But I'm I saying, you're talking about me buying or me selling? No, I'm talking about you buying or anyone buying. Like, for example, if someone's listening and they have a shop, it's always an option to ask them, hey, can you do like a FaceTime with me or can you do Zoom or something? Yeah. And then, or even like, there's really no excuse now. I mean, you can send people pictures and an email or text. Yeah, pictures. Uh, our clients from Japan, you know, I've done those line calls, the video calls with them and yeah. showed them things and, or they've shown me, Art's on, I'm looking for this. I'm like, okay, is this it? Yes. Yes, very good. Um. Can you think of anything that I left out or may have missed? In terms of sourcing, uh, like how do you get into a rag house? Like that is one of those things. And do you want to go into a rag house? Just, just understand this about rag houses. They are there to move volume. And that's the, their goal is to move volume because they have so much coming in and the vintage part really isn't much Mm-mm. of their business. It usually on good clothing, it's 2%, 1.5%, 3 maximum, and that's only in the winter months coming, f- rags coming from the East Coast. So that portion of their business, they want to make it simple and not make it complicated. They don't want cherry pickers. They want someone who's going to come in and take what they have, and they don't mind selling it cheap, but they don't want you to sit there and only get the cleanest, the best, because that's just a waste of their time. So when you go to a rag house, be prepared, uh, respect their time and respect their what they're trying to do. Ask them if they have bales of things. Ask them if they, you know, do they sell by the barrel? Do they sell this? They want to see stuff move out. Yeah, I mean... When I was working at Urban, the sources that we went to on the East Coast, those were true rag houses, and they're pretty gross. Um, one was clean. One was really, really gross and not safe. So also, I would be prepared. Like, if you're going to a rag house, um, you know, you're going to get dirty. You might feel grossed out. It's not like... Um, it's not curated. In. No, it's not. I mean... The, one of them had a nice, like, section of vintage, but, like, most of their workers, I mean, they had probably 30 to 50 workers, are in the back just, like, sorting rags and sorting textiles and clothing. And then, like, they had women in the front that were working off of mood boards. Um, 
so they would know what to pick. But I mean, it was not glamorous by any means. And like, I know some people might come to our warehouse and think like, oh, it's messy or it's this or that. I mean, it, this place is like, this place is like a department store compared to most rag houses because we're a vintage clothing wholesaler. We are not a rag house. A rag house is processing so many other items. Yeah, donated goods. Oh, I mean, I remember shoes, seeing like um, bags of stuffed animals and bags of bedding. And I mean, you're only imagining like, oh, what the hell is in those, you know? Just super, I don't. Uh, I almost fell through a hole in the floor at one. It was oh. like the the level below. I mean, I would have broke my leg. I don't know if I would have died. It wasn't that far of a drop, but it was just a hole in the floor where they would drop like the oh, rats down. That's old school. Yeah. I mean, this building was like a rickety ship box, like fire hazard, public health hazard. <laughs> and <laughs> the guy that ran it fire was Marshall so, B. the guy that ran it was so sweet. And I'll never forget. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know if I should say this. Is this yeah. the guy that would get you sandwiches? Uh, no, oh. no, they didn't get us food. Um, the building, the building was like I said, it was just really gross, and the area around it was depressing. You know, it's just not a, the most pleasant place in New Jersey. Um, but someone in my department, I won't send, say who, sent an email to the guy, and then like forgot who she was talking to, <laughs> and wrote back like, "Yeah, that place is really gross." to him to the guy in charge no yes and he i felt we felt so bad he wrote back like i know it can be a little messy in here we're like oh fuck because the room of vintage wasn't bad it was literally one room of vintage and it was just boxes rows of boxes and you'd work your way up and down the rows like gaylords like we have but like the rest of it was just a total shit show you know i was just thinking while you were talking about that story another great place to find stuff is on ebay because people, so many people have just been disenchanted with it and aren't happy with the company itself. But and a lot of times people misspell things or they put things in the wrong category. Oh, yeah. and I mean, it's like going to a thrift store and finding a gem in like the kids section. And right. It's like finding, it's like for eBay, yeah. it's like finding something that's misspelled. Misspelled or labeled wrong, wrong category. So, yeah, you know. You could get lots and stuff on there. Yep. Um, yeah, there's a couple of people who sell like lots of Harley tees, lots of NASCAR tees, uh, lots of denim. And, you know, it, they do leave room for you to sell. Obviously, a lot of this is going to be subjective to where you live geographically. Um, so if you're listening and you are not in a city and you're kind of like in the middle of nowhere, you know, you have to be a little bit more resourceful. I would recommend sticking to estate sales, yard sales, thrift stores, online sourcing, at least for right now until travel's back up and running. Do you have any recommendations for people who aren't in urban areas uh, for sourcing? Absolutely. I th I'm actually jealous of those people because they're in an untapped markets. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times if you find, just go to one sale, yard sale or something, and just start talking and just asking questions and you might be directed to someone oh auntie so-and-so has had a store it's been closed but her son has a key and that's happened to us and i'm telling you it looked like it was straight out of a like a time capsule the store was still immaculate a little bit dusty but it had been shut down for 50 years and the clothes and the flashers everything was still there 
You know, I was saying this to someone during our mentor um, session the other day. You know, a lot of people put stock in social media. And obviously, I know face-to-face interactions haven't been what they are. But when it gets back to that, you really need to realize that not everyone lives and breathes by social media. There are a lot of older people out there, like the 60-plus crowd. Granted, some of them might be comfortable with it. 50-plus. Maybe even 50-plus, yeah. I mean... They're just not as comfortable with apps and with social media. And having something like printed, and this person that I had the session with says that they do that, like, hey, reach out to me if you have these. And that's a really good way. Somebody has something physical with like your phone number or your email, make it easy for them to reach out to you. But don't just assume that everyone you're going to, people are going to find you through the social media. There's a really, you know, there are great ways to find people face-to-face interactions, giving out flyers, pamphlets, brochures, whatever, explaining what you do and what you're looking for, especially if you're in these untapped areas where not most people aren't buying the vintage stuff. I think that that's a really good idea because, you know, just not all older people are comfortable with, you know. It's funny you said the flyer thing. I did that. I mean, I know it's when old I was school, in. No, but no, no, it, it works. It I mean, I used, I used to do that. I used to put, like, stuff out at – like where I lived in coffee shops, I had little like rack cards. I'd put them out and I would get, I got a call from a lady from a nursing home. She was older and she's like, well, people are dying and nobody's taking their clothes. Do you want them? You know, like those are resources too. I mean, it might be a little bit of extra legwork on your end, but I just feel like you can't put That's all your the true eggs treasure in that, hunt. like one basket. That's the true treasure hunt. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I would go, if I was in those rural areas, I'd go to the small churches put little mm-hmm. things, no cards on there, windshields. And, you know, most of those yard looking sale people. Levi's, no, looking look, for whatever. Old clothes. Let me help you clean out your attic. I buy or old clothes. I buy old clothes. Yeah. Simple, you know, and that's a great way. And then people want it and then people get a chance and like, you know what, let's turn this junk into money. So I think there's a mosquito in here. I got bit. I'm sorry. <sighs> All right. Do you think we missed anything? No. And if we did, you know, uh, send a message through all those 42 different ways she said in the beginning. (laughs) Well, okay. I think that wraps up our talk on where do you get all this stuff? Stuff or shit? Shit. Where do you get all this shit? Do you get all this shit? Yeah. Yeah. I eliminated one curse word. Um, So in the meantime, if you want to become a patron, please, we would appreciate the support. We're on our way to, I just told our, um, in honor of my five-year anniversary, which is coming up in August, I'm going to redo my office and make it more podcast friendly. So that'll be nice. And I'm, we're on our way to getting him, both he and I, new office chairs. I need one too. And thank you for that. Yes. So thank you for your support. And if you have any questions about anything, as Art said, I gave you 42 options to reach out to me. Um, also, don't forget to sign up for our Vintage for Business newsletter. You can do so on the website. Uh, the May one just went out. That goes out like the first week, week and a half of the month, every month, and that is always free. Just something brief and quick to say hello. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else I forgot. No? no. <laughs> Making faces at me. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm forgetting something. Are you supposed to shout at someone? 
No, I, I put those on note cards. <coughs> so, and then I put them on the recording equipment so that way I don't forget. Um, yeah, so I, we're I don't good. know. Yeah, we're good. Let it go, Bridget. Let it go. <laughs> yes, please. All right. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, be kind. Don't be basic. And don't be basic. Bye. Uh-